This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. Welcome into ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green is on the air and live in the Ingalls studio. Of course, Sports Tank with Jeremy Green heard everywhere, live or on demand, on the iHeartRadio app, all except for yesterday's program because of the uh, computer glitches that we had. Have not been able to get with that one uh, up on the podcast just yet, but... We'll get to it. Uh, anyhow, live or on demand, all the iHeartRadio app. Take us with you everywhere you go. First hour of the program, as always, brought to you by Ingles. Low prices, love the savings. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. And, yeah, it's uh, it's one more day closer to football. That's <laughs> that's going to continue to be the mantra going into uh, this football season. High school football starts this week. College football actually starts next week. I mean, I don't care that it's just South Dakota states and and I mean, there's, there's and, not a lot of good on the schedule <laughs> next week, but it will be competitive football. It counts, and that is next Saturday. Yes, we are one week away from the start of college football. We're going to talk some college football on the program this afternoon. You know, we we like to talk about the the, the wagering and such. As Jeremy is a uh, is is a gambler, and we like to focus on things like that. So we'll go over some of the best bets for college football going into this season. We've got uh, NFL news all over the place. Did you see the update on Deshaun Watson, by the way? I have not. Uh, the FBI is getting involved in the Deshaun Watson case. <laughs> I but, did see that. But not in the way that you might think. Uh, at first glance, you think, oh, that's bad news for Deshaun that the FBI is getting involved. Uh, no, actually, if you if you read on what Rusty Harden said, was that the FBI is investigating whether or not these are uh, extortion uh, claims or cases, I guess I should say. So, uh, really, nothing to report on that. You have no movement in the Deshaun Watson scenario. Nope. Uh, had there been, you know, FBI's looking into the criminal complaints and to see whether or not they're true or not, that would be a different thing. But no, this is apparently the FBI looking into whether or not the claims are true and whether or not there has, you know, been an extortion attempt against Deshaun Watson. Anyhow, I got nothing to add on that. S- still believe today's a great day for Deshaun Watson to be an Eagle. Uh huh. I, I mean, it, I'm just going to keep saying no. it until Harry Roseman goes, "Yep, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be out on that one." Just. I don't know. There's there's too much surrounding it right now with the the grand jury convening or the report that the grand jury was convening last weekend and now the FBI is getting involved and even though it's not against Deshaun Watson of what the FBI is looking into, I still feel like this is just it's too much. I have gone from completely believing you that today is a good day 
to now going, I really don't know if there's going to be a good day coming. Well, as somebody that has watched your betting record over two years, <laughs> uh, it's a good day for you to jump off the bandwagon that today is a good day for Deshaun Watson to become a Philadelphia right, Eagle. Because the day that I jump off that bandwagon is the day that it's going to happen. We've got mo- we, we got stories all over the place. i got a story mm-hmm. about the Warriors at the bottom of the hour. And the Irwin Warriors? No, 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 no. The Golden State Warriors. Oh, oh, okay. And at the bottom of the next hour, I have a story about a very, very scary, mysterious bird. Oh, my goodness. Hashtag birds aren't real. Yeah, we, we, we all look forward to you railing against the, uh, the aviary. Spoiler alert, alert it's not a real bird. It's a fake bird. It's a happy bird. And I think it's a Trojan horse. <laughs> no big deal. Hashtag birds aren't real. Okay. <laughs> Uh, biggest story in the NFL in the past 24 hours to you has been what? The biggest story in yeah, the sports? Big, no, the biggest story in the NFL oh, in the last 24 hours has been... Andrew Dalton being the most delusional human on earth going, Justin's going to have his time, but now is my time. Uh, I don't. You said his time wrong. Yeah. Uh, your time is up, Andy. It's It's not going to happen for you. I don't I don't like that at all. Mine has been the the New York Giants. Did you see the story from John Mara where he was talking to the media and he said, "No, David Gettleman's not on the hot seat." Oh, stop that. Stop it. He said, "I think everybody. We're all on the hot seat. We've got we got to win some games. We got to turn this thing around. We got to start winning some games and I think everybody's on the hot seat right now. But no, I wouldn't necessarily clarify this as uh as, you know, David Gettleman being on the hot seat. Well, then you're doing your job wrong, Mr. Mara. Well, I mean, I will say one thing. He said everybody's on the hot seat. Well, he hadn't won more than 6 games in a presidential term. So, uh-huh. yeah, I will agree with that. Everybody is on the hot seat because you've been terrible for quite some time. But it's a lie. We all know it's a lie. The fact that you expect the, the, the fact you expect owners, head coaches, any of that to tell you the truth. No, but I'm just saying don't don't come out and bald face lied to me and say no. It's uh, David Gettleman. He's 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 not on the hot seat. We know that's not true, and we know not everybody's on the hot seat because I guarantee you, Joe Judge ain't on the hot seat. I wouldn't be so sure of that. Really? I wouldn't be so sure of that. You've had four players retire literally before you played a preseason game. That's a bad sign. <laughs> and you think that's his fault? I know it's his fault. Because I 100% know it's his fault. Well, Two of those players came out and basically said, I'm too old for this. Yeah. Like, I, I'm good. Because of his Now, granted, one of them was Kelvin Benjamin. Right. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But is this all linked to his hard-nosed way of doing business and making us run because we got in a fight in practice and all that? That doesn't make any sense. I've me. always said, you can be that guy. You mm-hmm. can be that coach in the NFL. Bill Belichick's been that for 30 years. When you win. If you win, you can be a jerk. And then you're just enigmatic and you're eccentric and all those other adjectives that people throw out for jerk. Basically yeah. everything you've ever heard me called. Yeah. All, okay. the, all of those. Yeah. But when you lose and do that, you're just a jerk. That's that, that's how this works. Mm-hmm. And there's been a slew of those guys. Ben McAdoo was one of them. One of the coaches, one of the former coaches of the New York Giants. Yes. Ben McAdoo was the same thing. He did some things, you know, not... Not necessarily the suit that I think he bought off the rack at a Costco, but he did some things that if he was winning, 
you look like a savant, mm-hmm. and you just do things differently, and this is the patriot way. When you lose, you're just a moron. That's and that's how that works. Just a Bill moron. Belichick. Think about. It. I used to say. I used to rail on New England uh-huh. when Bill would go for it on fourth and two from his own thirty-five yard line. Well, he failed and lost. That wasn't Bill. If that was any other coach in the NFL, fired yeah. immediately. Yeah. But Bill had built up a lot of credits in the mm-hmm. old in the old account. Mm-hmm. Now, quickly, those are you know there's just been a lot more debits on that card in the last uh, year than. <laughs> I don't think Bill has anything to worry about. No, I didn't and say he did, and he'll never have anything to worry about, and he can get away with everything. It, no, that's it, not true. That's uh, you want an example of it? Look at Greg Popovich right now. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that are going. He needs to just retire. The game has passed him by with the Demar Derozan, all of the other things that have happened down there. Right. I got news for you. There is nobody on the planet Earth that has enough credits in their account that you're not three years away from getting fired. At least not in sports. Sure. There's not one. Sure. I'd say three years is a long time, though. I mean, that's you're, Bill. That's the only one in the NFL that I can even think of. Right. But if you're going to talk about, uh, you know, people on the hot seat, it's not even. It's not even a little warm on Bill Belichick. No, I, and I'm, I'm not talking about hot seat. Okay, I'm talking about talking. Well, you would have said Greg Popovich would have never gotten heat. He's getting heat mm-hmm. right now. Oh yeah, aggressive amounts of it. I got news for you. A couple more years like last year, there'll be a lot of talking about <laughs> Bill too. Right. Oh, he's seventy. It's time for him to just take his cut off hoodie and go off, ride silently off into the night. <laughs> And I want to, and, and this is broached an interesting topic. Okay. How much leeway does every coach in the NFL have? How much leeway? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I would argue over half of the league could lose their job this year. I don't think I agree with that. Um. All right, you tell me. Give, a me, coach. An, give me, give me an example. There's a great one. Okay, Brian Flores. There is a path that Brian Flores gets fired by the Miami Dolphins at the end of the season. Fact or fiction? Fact, but it has 100%. to go completely off the rails. Don't think it does. I don't think it does. If they are mediocre, if they are eight and eight, or well, well that's not if possible. they're eight and eight, they forgot eight. to show up to a game, and he is certainly fired. <laughs> okay, so if they end up eight and nine with a losing record. You think he? There's a possibility that he gets fired this year. I could see it at nine and eight, where you don't make the playoffs. Third year on the you job. Things. To me. What? So explain to me exactly what he has done that makes you go, yes, no doubt, that is our coach of the future. Tua Tungavaloa is a disaster. This co-offensive coordinator thing with with uh, oh, it's awful. I, I, uh, Stubberville and I can't remember the other guy's name. Mm-hmm. That is just a disaster. Hundred percent. Bye, bye, Brian Flores, because he does the Patriot way. Right. And as I have always said, the Patriot way is great when you're winning. It's a joke when you're losing. Mm -hmm. 100%. Right now, I'm telling you, if Miami comes out week one, loses at the Patriots, which is, I would say, a 50-50 proposition at best. Yeah. Then you go Bills at the Raiders, Colts with Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson probably back at the Jaguars. You lose to New England, there's a path you're one and four. Mm -hmm. You're one and four. Now you're going into a, you know, a, Pretty easy side of the schedule. But yeah, there would be a lot of rumbling about Brian Flores. It would be it would be deafeningly loud in Miami. Mm-hmm. 
because they expect you to be good. They were patient with the two-win year where you got to a tongue of Iloa. Three, however many wins they had that year. Yeah. They were supposed to be none. I do vividly remember that, and they accidentally won a couple times. You go two years out, Tua doesn't look like the guy. You bungled the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing last year, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. I would make the argument, I bet you couldn't get to 10 coaches in the NFL that there is no shot if you take out the first-year guys. Nobody okay. in the NFL gets fired in a year. All right, let's I don't go. care how big of a dumpster fire you are, you're not getting fired in a year. All right, let's go, no doubt, no shot, these guys get fired. Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. No one. shot. Um, I'd go Brandon Staley. I, I would said do... take out the first year guys. Oh, okay. nobody gets fired in a year. Okay. Uh, Sean McVay, no chance. I'd argue he could be two years away. There are Maybe. a lot of people that say, "Oh, they'd never fire it." Oh, really? Oh, really? I, I mean, disagree. If they, yeah, if you disappoint in back to back years, that would be what four straight years mm-hmm. of disappointment since you made the Super Bowl. So yeah. Um, There's one Belichick. you're going to say. Okay, you Belichick, went a different route. No shot. All right, there's three. Sean Payton, no shot. There's four. You're through at least four divisions because I know how you're doing this. <laughs> um, Mike Tomlin, I don't think there's a shot he gets fired this year. Steeler fans would disagree with you, but I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Those Steeler fans have been disagreeing with me for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going nowhere. He has Agreed. he he has all of the keys to all of the closets apparently of everybody in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. You're at five. Keep going. Mm. I'll give you one that you've missed, and I think you gleaned over it. I may have. It's McDermott and Buffalo. Oh, Sean McDermott. Yes, I did glean. There's over no that shot one. to him. I would say there's no shot that Bruce Arians gets fired. It's more likely that he's going to retire uh, yeah. if if it goes poorly. Mm-hmm. And there's another one that you missed, Ron that, Rivera. Don't you think that there's a chance he could get fired this year? Uh, I mean, I'll give you that one solely because I know you're not going to get to ten. Right. You're at eight. Other than, yeah, other other than, than that, that you like the one I'm Carol. The one I'm staring at is Kyle Shanahan. Wrong, hundred yeah. percent wrong. You bungle this Trey Lance thing. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yep. Because you were bad last year. Yeah. That's that's why I didn't say it because I was staring at it, going, "There actually is a shot." The other one's Pete Carroll, and I feel about him the same way I feel about Bruce Arians. They would goad you into retiring before they fired you, but mm-hmm. still take those in. Where are you at? Ten. Ten. Yeah. There is literally not. There are ten coaches in the NFL that I know definitively will have their job a year from now if they want it. Okay. That is how unstable the NFL is. Yeah. Uh, and you take out the first-year guys, so that's half the league. Mm-hmm. And the other half could... The other half, there's a path to all of them, and most of them are not that hard to figure out. Yeah. They're... Okay. I would I would think... I'm, I'm thinking Matt Rule might be thrown in there as You're well. You're wrong. Really? Oh, yeah, there's absolutely a path. Because in two the expe- years, Because the expectations done. are getting too... Oh, coaches get fired after two years all the time. Yeah, but they're usually named Greg Schiano. Or Raheem Morris, or <laughs> I don't know. I, I just feel like after the leap that they took last year, the le- the leap, yeah, I feel to like the they, eighth worst team in the NFL. That's yes. your leap, 
Hey, I mean, it was it it was better than it was projected to be. Oh, I was about to say, you mean in the year before where they were the seventh worst team in the NFL? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is where everybody expected them to be last year. You know, Matt Rule gets some some credit. For the that. reason I'm telling you that I would put Matt Rule on that list mm-hmm. is because David Tepper is one of those that is not. This is not a long game, and there's a benefit. There's a there's a blessing and a curse to that. Mm-hmm. The blessing is that you're going to do everything in your power to be competitive. The problem is that patience is not going to be a virtue that you know overly well. And that's what the NFL is. All right, what's the path? Let's describe the path for Matt Roll to the coaches getting fired. Uh, 100%. Coming up after the break, right here on ESPN Asheville. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. It's ESPN Asheville Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green. And uh, so what coaches could have a path to getting fired in the NFL this year? Jeremy swears that it's half of the league and... You know, after thinking about it, I'm uh, I'm not too sure that you're not wrong, uh, because if things go disastrously, di- disastrously is that a word? Disastrously Disas- is a word. Di- disastrily. No, that's not. No, it. that one it. missed it. Missed it, missed by, it that by that much. That much. <laughs> anyway, if if this year is a disaster for several teams at the NFL, their coaches very well could be on the way out of the door. Um, you know, take like guys like oh Matt Nagy. We'll take him out of it because he's already just yeah, one here, foot. Here's the path: keep doing what you've been doing. Yeah, I mean, he's got one foot in the doorway and one foot on the path. He is just ready to go. Vic Fangio, same thing. Yeah, keep doing what you've been doing. Just keep on yeah. keeping on. Don't change <laughs> right. anything. Just keep on trucking. Zach Taylor with the Cincinnati Bengals. Same thing. Uh, but then there there are others. So let's uh, I mean let's start with Cliff Kingsbury. You love punching Cliff Kingsbury. No, it's not that I don't, it's not that I love punching Cliff Kingsbury. It's that that team is too talented to be this bad, to be mediocre. Yeah, yeah. You have the talent of a high level NFL franchise, mm-hmm. and you're not. What's the path to Cliff Kingsbury? Let's be real honest. You just look at the schedule. You start week one at the Titans. Then you go Vikings-Jaguars, which I don't know how I feel about the Vikings. I would really like to see them play a preseason game where it looks like they had met one another before. Mm-hmm. Then you go Rams-49ers-Browns. Rams, Let's say you start 2-4. and four. Do you realize how loud it will get on Cliff Kingsbury? Oh, you brought absolutely. in J.J. Watt. You've still got Chandler Jones. Kyler Murray's in year three. That's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And you start two and four, and then you've got a stretch with the Packers, the 49ers, the Panthers, Seahawks, Bears, Rams. On the backside of that, you're in trouble. Yeah. Straight up, you're in trouble. I'm not saying they'll fire you in the year because I don't I don't know that there's a path for that with Kingsbury. Right, because out of those games that you just said, that puts them at what, like three and nine? It could get ugly in a hurry. Yeah. They're if way it too goes talented the wrong way, yeah. it's going to go very much the wrong way. Yeah, and there's no doubt that he will he will get all of the blame. Because, because what else go- are you going to blame? Right. You're not going to put it on Kyler Murray. You can't blame uh, you know instability within the franchise because you you got a good core group of players here who everybody says they love playing in Arizona. Well, it all comes down to head coaching, play calling, all of that to be able to say that's not the guy to do it for us. Well, I mean, here's the thing: you got one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL, and mm-hmm. he's a 65 plus percent completion guy. He was a 67 percent quarterback last year. You went eight and eight. Yeah, their biggest downfall is uh, is on the defensive side of the ball that they 
couldn't stop anybody last year, but now you've you've solved most of those problems. Mm-hmm. You have we very good pass rushers. Yeah. If you're able to keep Chandler Jones. Which they will. You think so? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to be able to rush the passer. The defense is going to be improved. So now all the uh, all the opportunities for you to pass the buck are gone. Mm-hmm. You can't blame a quarterback that's completing 67% of his passes. Right. All right, let's talk about uh let's talk about Matt Rule. How bad does it have to get? It has to be it has to be a two-win season. It would have to be a disaster, but it would have to be it would have to be things that keep adding up. Mm-hmm. Not playing Sam Darnold in the first preseason game, dumb. You will never give me an explanation of that. And and a lot of Panther fans would go, "Oh, you're blowing this out of proportion." I like Matt Rule a lot. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is there is a path, and it's these small little decisions that you open up the door to uncertainty. So you bring in Sam Darnold, you've got this you have the the quarterback of the future on the roster. This is a guy that was very well hyped not that long ago. Here's where Matt Rule could get himself in trouble. Your replacement might be the guy standing right beside you. And you have an owner like David Tepper that has said time and time and time again, I'm not going to deal with mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I could see the path. I is said, it a, that's a hard one to see, and it's one of the hardest ones in the NFL to see, but mm-hmm. there is a path. Uh, I know you said no first-year coaches on this, but I think there are two first-year coaches that definitely need to be on this David list. David Culley. Uh, he is the list of first-year coaches. R- ring the bell. David Culley and, and Urban Meyer. I really feel Urban like Meyer if this cannot goes, get fired, but he could walk away. Yeah, I feel like if this goes really horribly, the the cons will not fire Urban Meyer. He does too much of what it is they're looking for. They've gotten more media play in the last nine months than they've gotten in the last nine years. And, and let's be honest, that's what they're after. That's the only way this made any sense. I said it when you hired him. Mm-hmm. The only way that move makes sense is if you're after. Headlines. You're after publicity. You're after butts and seats. That's why you did the Tebow thing. That's why you did the Urban Meyer thing. That's why you're still not naming Trevor Lawrence the starter, in spite of the fact it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> How about old Super Bowl winner John Gruden? Oh, don't know that I'm on the hot seat, man. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, with Mark Davis, that's another one that it's a hard path to see. Mm-hmm. And let's be really honest here. John Gruden's done more with very little than most could have done. I feel like Gruden gets a lot of a, a lot of shots taken at him, mm-hmm. and it's predominantly for things that Mike Mayock did, not him. Yeah, but you know why? You know why he takes those kinds of shots? And why is that? It's because we know how smart he is. Because we saw him on Monday Night Football, and we got to know the inside workings of his brain. So well, I got speak. news for you. Every coach in the NFL is that mm-hmm. smart. They might not speak that well. Oh, I, I understand that. I'm not saying he's smarter than the average bear. What I am saying is that we feel like him going in, going back to football was the greatest decision he ever made. He comes back in, he gets the ten million, you know, or the uh, ten year, hundred million dollar contract to be the face of the franchise and all of this. And the contract's the problem. The contract's the problem. Mm -hmm. He's the highest paid coach in the league. Mm -hmm. Got this, you know, for the rest of your adult life deal with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, he's improved every year. He took a team that was absolutely bereft of talent, and they improved three games in year two. And added a game onto it last year. Mm-hmm. They went from four and twelve to seven and nine to eight and eight. Should there be a path with Gruden? No. But when you sign a deal like that, if they're let's say they're they regress, and they go to six and eleven, mm-hmm. that's where I could see a path where they or Mark Davis and him have a 
all right, this is just not working. Right. Do I think they should? Absolutely not. You think they should stay the course? I think it's working. That's what I think. I, I, I believe that many of the things that are held against John Gruden, taking Claylon Farrell at four, mm-hmm. uh, so the, the Alex Leatherwood pick, these are all Mike Mayock. Yeah. Now, granted, those two are intertwined because it's Gruden that handpicked Mayock to be his guy. Exactly. But I, I don't see a lot of things going quote unquote wrong with the Raiders. You've said it time and time again. They're not 10 win talented. No. I'll be honest with you. Last year, they weren't eight win talented. He won eight games with them. Mm-hmm. Fell apart down the stretch or they'd have made the playoffs. If he can keep making improvements, sure, he's going to hold on to this job. But if he has an eight and nine season, seven and 10, it's going to get really uncomfortable. Eight and nine's not doing it with Mark Davis. You would have to regress and go back to that five, six win mm-hmm. level and just really get blown out by Kansas City, get blown out by the Chargers. And look like you're not better than Denver. Yeah, that's the path, in my opinion, for Gruden. I think there's, I, I think there's a very real path uh, to that happening. Just, frankly, just because I don't think that team's all that good. Um, and but, I think you're very wrong about that. And and that's fine. We can agree to disagree. But if you think that Gruden is an untouchable, I think you're wrong. I, I don't think he's untouchable. There's a path. Mm-hmm. He he didn't fall into the untouchable path for me, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Mike Zimmer, he is probably one of my favorite coaches in all of the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's very well respected around the NFL. Yes. I got news for you. As long, and, and I'm not turning this into a political stance. This is what it is. And if you don't believe me, just sit back and watch. If you're going to be the coach that keeps talking about vaccinated players and all of these things, and then your team shows up like you did in the first preseason game, it makes you look like a fool. Mm-hmm. It makes you look like you're worried about all of the wrong things when this is your job. Your job is to get this team ready to play. Whoever's there, vaccinated, unvaccinated, none of that matters. You're the head coach. You get them ready to play, and I've never seen a team hit a preseason field that ill-prepared in my life. Mm-hmm. How does Mike Zimmer get fired? Keep doing exactly what you've done for the last two weeks <laughs> because it will 100% get you fired. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, you know. It, I think if they regress, it is going to, it, it's going to be very uncomfortable. From Mike Zimmer, because here's the thing: Mike Zimmer, he does what mainly? What what side Defense. of the what side of the ball is he on mainly? Defense. Defense. What's been the worst part of this team for the last three years? No, it's the defense. It's the defense. It's the the one thing we brought you in to do. You haven't really done all that well. Now they have had, you know, there have been contract issues, and there have been, you know, guys leaving, and all of that. I understand. But still, this is what you were brought here to do. You were brought here to make sure that we had a, a team that could run the football and play damn good defense. Well, the thing that we have seen for the last two years is that Kirk Cousins is pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Thielen's damn good. Put yeah. him back in the slot. <laughs> you added Justin Jefferson to the fold. Plus, oh, you got that running back back there, Dalvin Cook, who's he's pretty good as well. Here's the problem. Your offense has had no problems. For the most part. It's the defensive side of the ball that's let you down. The problem with Minnesota is look at the schedule. They have one stretch of the entire schedule Mm -hmm. where they play two teams back-to-back that were bottom ten in the league last year. And it's the 49ers and the Lions. 49ers are not quite that team anymore. No. 
we don't expect them to be anyway. There's just not a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of Chargers, Steelers, just looking outside of your division. And it's ugly. Yeah. What is the path to the coaches that could be fired at the end of this year? That's what we're talking about right now in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Let's get just a bit outside. The Sports Tank. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. All right, it looks like we have movement on the one question everybody has been pondering on for a year and a half now. Did did Carol Baskin kill her husband? No. We oh, all, we that's all what I know been... the answer to that question. Yeah, but the... we need some movement on that story. <laughs> no, right now the federal government's focusing on uh, Jeff Lowe and, and his wife. Uh, we saw that story yesterday where they had to give up all their animals. Uh, Rightfully good. so. Rightfully so. You're a grown man wearing Ed Hardy shirt. No, it's and what... you have tigers. No, <laughs> it's, it's what is the name going to be of the Washington football team? We can't continue, in my opinion, to go through this and have the Washington football team remain. This is not a soccer league. We like mascots in America, and we need to have mascots. The story came out today, and uh, the Washington football team posted a YouTube video of their Making the Brand series that's been tracking all of it, going from the 40,000 name submissions that they had to whittling down the list, and they have officially cut their list to three. However, they are not going to tell us what those three are. In the video, they show eight finalist names, Two random fans sitting in the stands, and they gave their, you know, they gave some pointed comments on which ones they like and which ones that they didn't like. And at the end of the video, he sits down in the office with the GM and Ron Rivera and says, Hey, these are the three. And when they said the three, they bleeped out all of the names. So here are the eight that we know they're picking three from the presidents, which is stupid. Awful. Awful, don't like it, not good. The Washington presidents, I'm out. Uh, the Brigade. Horrible. No, I like that one. That's that actually awful. a finalist, uh, in my opinion. The Red Hogs. Awful. No, it's good. It's got history to it. It's got the color scheme. I think it, it I think I think that's a finalist. Except there's not a th- there's not a thing called a red hog. That's a mythical creature. The red hog? Is I mean, there it was just under the hog and paint it red? You know, uh, red hogs. Nope. <laughs> uh, then the Washington football team, which is out. Nope. That's no. the one. That's no. the winner. That's I, what it should be. It is. A, it, it, it is a. It is a finalist. I will guarantee you that. Uh, then there's the Commanders, the Armada, the Defenders, and the Red Wolves. All awful. They're not all awful. I like the red hogs. I like the hogs part of it. Uh, you know, could do without the uh, descriptor of the red hogs, but I think it. I think it gives them everything that they want. If they call themselves the Washington Defenders, I want them to have to wear the XFL team's jerseys. No, they have to change their name to the DC Defenders. Yeah, and you have to wear the XFL team's jerseys. Mm-hmm. They're all horrendous. I'm officially full all the way in on Washington football team. No. Because those other seven are atrocious. I like the Brigade. I like the Armada. Both of those, you know, they have the military connotations to them. The fact that Washington is, you know, near the ocean. I, I think that, I think it, I think it works. Uh, 
The Red Hogs is a finalist for me, but I know that the Washington football team is going to be a finalist because there are too many people banging this drum of let's just go with the football team. And I'm sorry to say, I think all of those people are terribly misguided. But if I had to put a wager on it, I would say that the finalists are the Brigade, the Red Hogs, and the Washington football team. All in on the football team. One of the beauties of active professional athletes having podcasts is that sometimes they say things that are so open and honest that you go, well, that's going to make for an uncomfortable meeting in training camp. Yeah. One of such players is Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green, who has a Bleacher Report web show called Chips. That's the name of his. It, like the California Highway Patrol? Yeah, well, it's same thing, but it's not all in you know capital letters. And he had a guest, Kevin Durant, famously had a bit of a quarrel when they were in Golden State together. Yes. And they came to a mutual understanding during KD's appearance on Chips. Okay. That Golden State Warriors GM Bob Myers and head coach Steve Kerr were 100% to blame for Kevin Durant leaving Golden State. (laughs) This is Durant's quote. It wasn't the argument. It was the way that everybody, Steve Kerr, acted like it didn't happen. Bob Myers just tried to put discipline on you, talking to Draymond, and think that that would put the mask over everything. Basically, they come to this hunky-dunky explanation of, yeah, it was Steve Kerr and Bob Myers that just ran you out of town. There's only one problem with that. Steve Kerr is still the head coach of the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Bob Myers is still the GM of the Warriors. And Draymond Green still plays for the Warriors. (laughs) I could see that being an uncomfortable meeting come next month when they come together for training camp. Yeah. So about that podcast thing you're doing, could you not? <laughs> could you not? Yeah, I'm, uh, I watched uh, it. You it was too much. comically. I, it's one of those things like, oh, no. No, no. It's, but so it's when you watch a video things- that somebody posted on Twitter and you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, this is going to hurt. Don't do that. But was it one of those things where he like, Caught himself and had immediate regret, or he nope, just rolled right just through rolled it. Just rolled right oh, through it. Nope, dude. you're right. It was Steve Kerr. They were. I mean, and he went deep into it. Like, yeah. hey, I guess at one point Draymond told them that he was the only one that could make this right, and he made it very clear that management was not going to tell him what to say in apologizing to Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'm going to do it my way. I'm the only one that can fix this. You already boo boo kitty did. Now I'm going to try to pick up the pieces." Right. Well, picked him up real well. For those of you that don't know, Kevin Durant now plays for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I just watched the whole thing like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. Do you think as the GM of a team that you would have to look at your players at some point and go, yeah, so podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could we not? Could we not do that? Because they're really making my job difficult. Well, I feel like I would have to have the conversation of, hey, how about not, uh, you know, bash your employers on your podcasts? I don't care that you have a podcast. In fact, I encourage you to do so because it creates a level of engagement with our fans that they don't normally get. However, um, you will, you, you, you will face some sort of reprisal if you go out and start bashing the company. Oh, I mean, I'm a big fan of them because they give us things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot easier for me and you to be honest than it is for an active player. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got like that employer that's cutting your checks that you oh, probably yeah. shouldn't throw shade at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Draymond just went, no, I think I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think I'm just going to throw shade and walk in like, what? Why is everybody looking at me? Right. 
<sighs> but again, when you get to the point of Draymond Green's career, do you really care? Do you really give a flying fig about what Steve Kerr is going to say about your podcast? No, probably not. No. I mean, I, I got to that level at six. I was six years old when I got to that point. So, I mean, it served me quite nicely. Uh huh. Yeah. No. I mean, at this point, he's he's got nothing to lose. Really, what are they going to do to him? I guess that's part of the thought. Is all right. Maybe I shouldn't have shared that much, but but really, guys, isn't this really isn't this what you expect from me? Aren't I supposed to be the lightning rod of this team? I mean, Steph Curry's not going to give you anything. Clay Thompson's not really going to give you anything. So, this is kind of my job. I have to play the the Dennis Rodman, Ron Artest, you know, hey, spe- wild card. Hey, speaking of Ron Artest, have you seen uh, Malice in the Palace on Netflix? It it's you, on Netflix. Yeah, it's on okay. Netflix. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty informative. And the the I don't know if you're for those of you who don't know Malice in the Palace was when Ron Artest went into the crowd after somebody threw a beer on him. Yeah, the the guy that Jermaine O'Neal actually hit, mm-hmm. the one that was on the on the floor, mm-hmm. he might be the least self aware human I've ever seen in my life. Really, you almost got murdered on the court of an NBA game with a camera not five feet from you, and that was what seventeen years ago. Yeah. To this day, thinks he did nothing wrong. Like, I just wound up on the court, and I, t- I was going to tell Jermaine O'Neal what I thought about what it... Yeah. Good call. Really? Dude's also about 5'7", about 260. Don't really know how you thought that was going to go, but mm-hmm. I watched the whole thing just going, no, uh-uh. <laughs> you do have to have some self-awareness. Self-awareness is the most some... underrated trait in the world. Right. There should be some kind of a remorse for the role that you played in one of the biggest disasters in NBA history. I, I'm a huge fan of self-awareness. Just being able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know what? I like me, and I'm okay, but there, there are a list of things that I may or may not do well. That guy, nope. He goes full Stuart Smalley. He looks at himself in the mirror and goes, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> Uh, yesterday we heard uh, a big old lie coming from John Mara, the uh, co-owner of the New York Giants, where he said, uh, "No, David Gettleman, he's he's not on the on the hot seat," and we all know that's a lie. He said everybody's on the hot seat. So taking from that, everybody's on the hot seat. We're going down the path where pretty much, you know, half of the NFL could get fired uh, after this year. What is the path to your coach losing his job? Uh, We've already talked about a lot of them, but I wanted to throw an interesting name at you. Frank Reich with the Indianapolis Colts. I get it. It's probably a very small window, but there is a path. Oh, absolutely. To where the Indianapolis Colts could just say, you know what? This is not going to work. You convinced us that Carson Wentz could come in here and be a former MVP. And that didn't happen this year. I think that, I think that's how Frank Reich's job hangs in the balance. He tied himself to Carson Wentz. Exactly. Of how well Carson Wentz performs this year could determine whether or not Frank Reich still keeps this job. It would have to go really poorly. This is a guy that's coming off an 11-5 year. It hasn't started off too well. No, it hasn't. 
And that's why he's not on the safe list. Because you convinced your front office to come off two premium picks for this guy. He lasted less than three days. Mm Mm-hmm. You can leave cheese sitting on the countertop for longer than Carson Wentz survived at Indianapolis Colts camp <laughs> without something breaking. Without having to have surgery, yeah. And that something was a bone in his foot just went, nope, I don't belong here anymore. I need mm-hmm. to come out. No, but that's been there forever. I'm sure it has. It's been there since he was in high school. The, only, the most annoying thing about that is that now Tank is completely convinced that he suffers from this I affliction do. as well. I have it. Yeah. Or, or, and this is, you know, maybe uh-huh. athleticism is not one of the first 78 adjectives I would use to describe yeah, it. It's, it's not even an athleticism thing. It's just, a, hey, sometimes my foot decides not to work. Okay. All right. Let me, let me see if I can explain this to you. Have you ever, you have a dog, right? Yeah. The dog has little chew toys, right? Yeah. Have you ever stepped on one of the chew toys? Yes. Have you noticed that when you step on the chew toy, it has more of an effect on the chew toy <laughs> than, say, if, like, your child did it? Uh-huh. That's because there's more pressure under you. Your foots feel that pressure on every step. What <laughs> foots? Your foots feel that on every step. Yes. And maybe after 39 years, they're tired. Just could very well be. They're sleepy and they're ready to <laughs> they're ready to take a nap. No, I think there is something uh, not structurally sound about my foot anymore. And ever since I heard that you can have random bones just floating around in your feet, like Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz, it has now made sense to me that, yep, yep, that's that's what's wrong with my foot. That's why it doesn't work every now and then, and why you know, probably every you know. It might be every three or four days, but I'll stand up at one point and my foot will go, ah, that hurt. And then I can move it to one side and I can feel a pop and then it's fine. Loose bone. Aha. Uh-huh. That's how that works. This gives me the chance to use a word that was on my Ziggy word of the day desk calendar. That is called hypochondria. <laughs> I hear a, a diagnosis and I go, that. Yeah. By the way, that's 100% why I could never have been a doctor. Because I would have gotten very tired with, but WebMD told me that I have it because my foot hurts. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. I am sure that it does. Mm-hmm. That, that foot has been asked to do a lot. Well, see, now my wife has suggested I should go to the doctor and actually have this problem looked at if I feel like this is what's happening. Now, and I told her, I, you know, I've been living with this for about five years now, and it, it just hurts every now and then, and I'll be fine. But now I, now I want to go get an x-ray just so I can prove you wrong. I want you to go to my doctor. Loose bones. Uh, I, want you to, I want you to go to my doctor for one reason exclusively. My doctor has appeared in my stand-up more than once. Because he does not have that, what is that called? Bedside manner. Uh huh. If he thinks it, he says it. And I would really like to see what a tank Spencer checkup with that particular practitioner would look like. Right. I it, it would go one of two ways. Either you would come back crying or you would come back laughing hysterically. <laughs> I feel like I would uh, want the laughing hysterically part. Um, 
Because, I mean, I don't want to cry after I go to the doctor. Uh, Doctor's supposed to make me feel better. Yeah, mine never made me feel better. It was a lot of, well, you could stand to lose 40 pounds. I want a second opinion. Okay, 50. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much how that went. That's pretty much how that went. Good for you. Don't give his name. I'm not going to. He's not in this market anyway. It was before I moved back here. I still talk to him. Anytime I do something unhealthy, I want to take pictures of it and send it to him. All right, what's the path of some of the uh, most popular coaches in the NFL to getting fired? We'll wrap it up after this. All right, it's ESPN Asheville. I'm uh, Loose Footbone Spencer. Uh, Jeremy is alongside as well. We're talking about NFL coaches. They could get fired. I found uh, it's cuboid syndrome, by the way. Uh, and I now that I've read all the symptoms, I definitely have it. Definitely have it. WebMD strikes again. (laughs) We're talking about the path that almost half of the NFL coaches could get fired if things go poorly for their teams this year. Uh, now we're into, now we're into some coaches that you might think should be on that untouchable list. They're not, but I'm not really sure they are. First off in the Tennessee, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Mike Vrabel. You like to call him Mike Vrabel. If you want me to say it, Vrabel, then spell it that way. Mike Vrabel. <laughs> so, Mike Vrabel, how does this thing go south? You don't win the division. Be fired? Straight up, you don't win the division. If you don't win this division as it's currently set, mm-hmm. with Carson Wentz having the health issues, the Jaguars and the Texans being just absolute dumpster fires, I don't think there's a way that you don't have a, a really introspective look at what's going on. Because it would have to go horribly off the road. I don't think there's a team in this division that can win eight games other than them. Mm-hmm. Even the Indianapolis Colts? I, I mean, if Carson Wentz is going to be back. Once, shame on you. Okay. Or shame on me. Yeah. Or whatever yeah, whatever George it. W. Bush got confused by. Right. Because I'm right there with him. Yeah. I don't know which way it's supposed to go. But if he doesn't win this division, then yeah, you there mm-hmm. needs to be a really strong look at at. Where you're at and how good of a coach you actually now are. you you mentioned Pete Carroll as being on that protected list and I'm not sure that's true. A, nothing could happen to where he would get fired in Seattle. Really? However, there could be an uncomfortable conversation of a hey, you know Pete we're we're right here in the prime of our five best players are all in the prime of their career mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure that this is working between the Brian Schottenheimer thing now you've got a new offensive coordinator I I. I it would have to go bad. It would have to go much worse than I think Seattle's going to. I don't think Seattle's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. I just think they're the worst team in the division. If somehow it went 5-12 and 12 bad. Which would have to mean Russell Wilson got hurt. Schedule's tough. Well, I mean, if, if Russell Wilson gets hurt, they're bottom six in the NFL instantaneously. <laughs> okay. I've seen Geno Smith. I don't need to see it again to know, what, to know how it's going to go. In San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan. How's this go badly? If they just go with Trey Lance and it doesn't work, they go with Trey Lance and it goes poorly. Yeah, because then it becomes a thing of you've only ever been good when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy and it was all good. And maybe you're not the guy to to and the system and all those things with Trey Lance. Maybe that doesn't fit perfectly. Again, it would have to go very badly, but there is a path. Lastly, Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. If it doesn't go well this year, does he get a break? Do exactly what you did last year. Be that bad on defense again, it will it will fall back on you. You've now had two defensive coordinators, two different schemes. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were propped up by Aaron Rodgers, and that's the only reason you got to where you got to. Yeah.
I think there is a path to it. However, it's not very unlikely. Because I honestly think the Dallas Cowboys should win that division. Um, and with all of the high hopes, that could be the other thing. If they don't win the division and somehow one of these other teams wins the division, uh, not name the Washington football team, then I think there will be some serious, serious questions. Sports Center coming up next. This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. And yes, we are one week away. I guess officially we're 10 days away from the start of the college football season. Coming up on August the 28th, you have a smattering of lesser games. They're going to be played, but I think, isn't Nebraska one of them? I believe. Yeah, Nebraska and Illinois. Yeah, Nebraska, Illinois. Thanks, college football, for making that the only game worth watching, so I'm going to have to. (laughs) Unfortunately for Scott Frost, he has slightly bigger things to worry about right now than Illinois. Well, yeah, that is one thing. You know, it really, it, it, it really does say something about your program, though, when, when you cheat and get extra practices and you're still horrible. I would just love to know how the thought process of that goes. Hey, let's just have secret practices. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. They won't look over there. Just won't practice here. <laughs> They tell you you can't have coaching staff overseeing workouts. And, no, they're not coaches. Uh, they're analysts. I don't know. One of the one no, of the no, accusations no, no. against them is that they had strength and conditioning coaches at practice at workouts. I, I know during the coronavirus shutdown. Scott Frost' excuse to that was they were analysts. They're not actually mm. part of the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So that makes it okay. No, it doesn't. No, uh. Uh-uh. No, it doesn't. And uh and yeah, you you won three games last year. Congratulations. Yeah. Scott Frost. All right. There's Mitch one of those Central if you wanted Florida. to do the uh college the college football hot seat. Uh Scott Frost name right there at the top. Yeah. Not uh it has not gone particularly well for Scott <laughs> Frost in Nebraska. Uh but in, in the end what does it really matter? I mean, this has been the top story in college football today because, of course, it's a big university and they've been breaking the rules. But there again, I mean, what does it really matter? Again, they didn't get a competitive advantage because they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. And, I mean, and when, they're real bad. Yeah. And number two, what's the NCAA going to do? The NCAA has no uh, teeth. As if it ever did, but it definitely oh, no, does it now does. that it's already said. Oh no, it still does. For this, it still does. Uh, you broke one of the, and trust me, they'll go harder on this than you think. Mm-hmm. Just to, if they find it all to be true, just to prove, yeah, we might not be able to do anything about money anymore. We can still deal with this. Yeah, it's not big infractions though, as it doesn't get to the to, you know to a level one infraction. For Nebraska, these will be level two, level three infractions, which 
won't really have that big of an impact. I mean, they might take away some scholarships, but I really doubt it. Yeah, and Nebraska cannot afford losing any scholarships. <laughs> uh, I would say that they can't they can't afford to be in the Big Ten anymore. But that's just me. I don't think they want to be either. They were looking for a way to separate from them last year, and now maybe this is their excuse. Now maybe they have an excuse to get away from the Big Ten with all of the restructuring and stuff going on. Although I don't think the SEC is going to be like, yeah, we'll take Nebraska. And at that point, if you're just left out, where are you going to go? Are you going to go join the the remnants of the Big 12 and the AAC or whatever that whatever that's going to look like? You think it ends up being the Mountain West? I do. The Mountain West will take in all the Big 12 teams. That's the only way I think it could possibly go. Hmm. Okay. They just have no allure. I mean, they have more allure than anybody in the Mountain West. Uh, disagree. I'd take Boise State over every last one of them. Really? Mm-hmm. Not everyone. Iowa State's up there. Okay, not everyone. But Boise State's better than... It's a program's better than a few of those. I was going to say, like, Texas Tech? That's a that's a program that comes and you know they they get into the national picture every four, four or five decades. years. Yeah, every four decades. Uh, yeah, you remember that Michael Crabtree, Mike Leach thing? Yeah, because that's the only time they've been even vaguely fan, uh, nationally relevant. Right. I almost said fantasy relevant. There's something about the word relevant that it, yeah, it's it's, it's mm-hmm. NFL season. It's just it's it's where that's, it is. That's where it is. And apparently, we're not doing college fantasy football anymore. I haven't been able to find a site that that's going to do it. I guess it's because of the name, image, and likeness thing that I'm they sure just don't know how that how, yeah, I don't how wanna, to operate it now. I don't want to run a free fantasy league to use your name and then wind up having to pay you. Right. I mean, because Yahoo was doing the college fantasy football last year and it have been for I think three years. It's nowhere to be found now. Want want yeah. It's unfortunate because I was looking for one the other day. It's like, I haven't done any college fantasy leagues. You've never played college fantasy football, have you? I played it once with you. Did you? Yeah, I checked my roster twice. Uh, No. (laughs) It was also a free league, and Jeremy doesn't do free leagues. Speaking of fantasy football, uh, we are going to have our competition for a cause that is uh, fantasy football best ball leagues. That will be, uh, the button will be active tonight. Soon. It'll be active tonight. Okay. It, it, you'll, initially, you'll have to find it on our Facebook page because I'm not 100% sure right now how to get it on our website. I thought this would be really easy. It's not. Yeah. Uh, it's, but yeah, all of the things will be on our, uh, the Sportsocracy on Facebook. You'll be able to find it there. Uh, that's where you'll be able to submit your entry with your email address and we'll get you placed into leagues. Mm hmm. Uh, there will be $20, $50, $100 leagues, and the proceeds going to charity. We are going to be supporting the Eblin Charities St. Nicholas Project this year to make sure that uh, we can help 
The needy kids in our area have a very special Christmas, uh, as we do every year with iHeartMedia. We're just glad to bring the St. Nicholas Project into the fold for our new uh, best ball league idea. So competition for a cause. Be on the lookout on the Facebook page, the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green and the Sportsocracy Facebook pages uh, for you to get signed up for that. And uh, pretty soon we're going to have the uh, the portal open on the website It'll as well. It'll be tonight. TheSportsOcracy.com. Uh, we also will have the Sports Tank Show League that we will be filling starting Friday. There's a new shtick. I have found the shtick, and I cannot wait to do this. <laughs> our, our, uh, it, it'll be. I can't wait. That's gonna, very exciting. I, I want to say it now, but I can't. He's just got all of the things on the tip of his tongue that he can't really say. Uh, anyway, so get in with us on the uh, competition for a cause fantasy football. I am very sad that I can't find college fantasy football uh, anywhere at the moment. Well, I'll show. I'll, I'll give you away. To make some money on fantasy football mm-hmm. in this segment. Okay. How, uh, Wait, it, this was your segment idea, so I'm supposed to set it up for you? On fantasy football? No. You said fantasy football. That's what threw me I off. I said on college football. No, you didn't. Oh, well, then I meant it. <laughs> no, you Sorry. didn't. <laughs> yeah, this is your segment. I've... Oh, I get it. I thought that's where we were going, and then you were like, I'm going to teach you how to make some money with fantasy football. And I went, Again, I still maintain I... I said college, but yeah, you did not. Uh, anyhow, yes, uh, college football season right around the corner. And, you know, since since Jeremy likes to lay wagers on things, and you know what, I, I trust him uh, when it comes to giving me advice for my wagers. We're going to talk about the best bets for the college football season. Win totals, overs, unders, which way you should lean on some teams around the college football landscape this year. Um, just reading up on some things. Um, apparently, there's not a lot of hope out there for Arkansas this year, which I don't think there really should be. Uh, they were an improved team last year. They got like, what, five wins last year? Some people are like, oh, we're returning everybody. I've heard this on uh, Paul Feinbaum's show. We're returning everybody. It's going to be such a better year this year. No, it's not. No, because you have the, schedule the most gods, brutal schedule I've ever seen. Right. The schedule of gods looked down upon you and went, Pfft. no. Because Arkansas, they do have a, they have a great non conference schedule. As they will end up playing Rice and Georgia Southern and Arkansas Pine Bluff. It's good, solid three wins right there. It's when you get into the other part of the schedule that it's not going to work. Their other non-conference game this year is against Texas, which is going to be a loss. And then you got to go to Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. And I think they get LSU at home. So that's the one break that they did get, but they're probably not going to beat LSU either. Then that means they're going to have to beat Auburn, who I think is better than them. Mississippi State, who's close to being better than them. And then Missouri. Because their over-under right now is five and a half wins. Uh, No shot. And I like Sam Pittman a lot. Not a good fat schedule, I don't. Yeah. I would take the under on five and a half wins for Arkansas. My favorite one, and it's uncon- it, no doubt to me. I saw this and I thought it was a misprint and I had to verify it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's over under and wins. 
is nine. nine they play a, no one in a outside of North schedule. Carolina and Wisconsin. And I'll even give you Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. You lose those three games, I still push the number. I mean, I was going to say, I'd hope you give me Cincinnati. They're a top ten team. Yeah, they probably shouldn't be. Oh, they were your little darling last year. Yeah, they were because nobody knew about them. I kept getting good numbers on them to lay wagers on. Uh-huh. Preliminarily, does not appear that's going to be a problem this year. Yeah, four, they've got four tough games on their schedule. Yeah, and one of them's USC. One of them's against USC. And guess what? They're all in South Bend. Every one of them <laughs> is in South Bend. Um, no, the, the Wisconsin game is a neutral site game. They'll oh, be yeah, playing at Soldier, Soldier Field. Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to be playing in Chicago for that one, uh, which that's, that's that's a tough ticket. That's a tough ticket to get. Oh, I would go. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying you, it's not going to be a cheap one. That's going to be like choosing between your children. That's two teams that I'm really fond of, and I don't know which one I need to win that game more. Oh, I'm 100% anti-Notre Dame every time. Especially if they're playing Wisconsin. You know I love Wisconsin. I thought you loved Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I've always I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Badgers. On Wisconsin was our fight song at uh, at, at my high school, so Yeah, you know, ever since I found that out. You got you got to pull for the pull for the Badgers. Yeah, I'm good. You know how I feel about the Big 10, so. Mhm. You think there's a chance that they, a good chance that they run the table this year? Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The one that would scare me would be North Carolina. I think they'll comfortably beat Cincinnati because that will be a, that will be a defensive struggle kind of game. And yes, they have Desmond Ritter, but I just have I, I have far superior talent to you. Mm-hmm. USC. I don't buy Keaton Slovis. I never have. The two they could lose would be Wisconsin, North Carolina. That still puts me at 10. That still puts me over the number. Mm-hmm. All the way in. Notre Dame's one of my favorite futures bets this year. North Carolina, they're over under right now in Vegas is 10 games. And I just I just don't know if I'm ready yet. You know, as a, as a lifelong Tar Heel football follower, they may not have been my favorite team in college football for the more recent years of my life after I'd married a Georgia Bulldog fan, but I've always followed them very, very closely. And the one thing that I've always learned, like every other Tar Heel fan out there, is I just don't know that we're ready to step up to the big time yet. It's great to be preseason top ten. I just don't know if you're ready to step up, like right. in that Notre Dame game when you have to go to South Bend, you know, October 30th, if you're going to be able to win that game. Well, they baked that in. Mm-hmm. Their number's 10. You have two, I would say, two truly losable games. Games that you wouldn't have to play poorly and they would have to play well. Notre Dame and Miami? That's it. Unfortunately, they're in back-to-back weeks, but there is a week layoff in between them. Mm-hmm. Carolina's schedule lays out perfectly. You could not have asked for a better schedule. No, because you missed out on Clemson, which is always a good thing. You miss Clemson, and yeah, you get Florida State, Miami, and back-to-back weeks. But are we really concerned about Florida State? Yeah, you should be a little concerned because this team's going to look completely different 
No I would team be more hit the concerned. transfer portal more than Florida State did. I would be more concerned if we were playing in Tallahassee. That's, but if we get and, this and one at Keenan, I feel pretty confident. Both of those games against Florida teams are in back-to-back weeks, and they're both in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, other than that, there's nothing. You play this is one of the most one of the biggest schedule anomalies I think I've ever seen. You open the schedule in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. You do not play another road game for almost two full months, <laughs> right? Because the one game, the, the the one game that we do have uh, at Georgia Tech, it's at the Mercedes Benz. Yeah, it's a so it's not game. a true road game. Yeah, and trust me, there will be more Tar Heels there than there are Georgia Tech fans. Oh, there's no doubt. You don't play a true road game for two months. That's yeah, the, pro- the, the problem is I would feel much better if it was nine and a half. <laughs> don't give me ten because then I'm going to have to push it or I'm going to have to hope that they end up with just one loss. Or hope they win the ACC title game. That counts to this, by the way. Oh, okay, so playoffs and stuff. Those and still count, count as regular season wins. Okay, well, I'm in. I, I think I'm in for ten then. I don't know why it, playing Clemson just changed your mind on anything because I don't think you would like how that would go, but. No, the bowl games count? No. Oh, okay. See, that's what I De- thought you well, were saying. Well, I shouldn't say that flat. No, it depends on the book. Some of them they do, some of them they don't. And they will specify that depending on where you're going. Well, with a little bit more leeway there, if I could get the bowl game as well. I was, uh, I was not chalking up the ACC championship to a win. Conference title games always count. <laughs> bowl games do not always count. Okay. Thank you for shoring that up for me. Um but yeah, the non-conference is not bad. Not at all. You get Wofford. You got Georgia State. Is that the only one? Non-conference? Yeah. Uh, Notre yeah, Dame's, Notre Wake Dame's technically non-conference. Because Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest is a non-conference game. Which is still, I still maintain that's so stupid. <laughs> it is dumb. It is dumb. There's no doubt about it. But I, I was looking at that going, that's way too many ACC teams. We're playing a team in conference, but it's a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Uh, can't wait for that to change in the whole realignment. Of course, the sad part about that is is there could be a path where Wake wouldn't even be in the in a Super League that got created. Oh, yeah, they would. You they're think so? Going, yeah, they're not going anywhere. There's a lot of money around that program. Okay. <laughs> All right. So North Carolina, I guess, I guess you've convinced me. I would be in at ten wins. My my second favorite behind Notre Dame, Liberty. Of course, Liberty plays five teams that I'm not a hundred percent sure what level of competition they even play at. They could be D three teams for all I know, and they're sitting at nine. There's one game on the schedule they could possibly lose, and it's at Ole Miss. Where did Hugh Freeze come from? Mm-hmm. I'm not much of a narrative guy. I've become a little bit more of a narrative guy when it's we tried to ruin your character, fired you, and you wound up at liberty. Right. And now you're, I would say, if they're not as talented, they're pretty close. To Ole Miss? Mm-hmm. Okay. Quarterback-wise, dead heat. Malik Willis, Matt Coral, mm-hmm. that's a dead heat. And that's where Ole Miss will have their biggest advantage over most teams because they can't stop anybody mm-hmm. in stereotypical Lane Kish- Kiffin fashion. <laughs> Who's shocked? ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Getting prepared for the college football season. Some little nuggets on how you might be able to profit off of the uh, college football season this year as well. More coming up next. 
Tank Spencer and Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Of course, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Getting ready for the college football season. Over-unders, win totals, best bets for the season. Um, I'm going to throw this one out there at you because uh, I know he's probably listening. Uh over or under six wins for NC State and Mr. Brian Hall. That one was really difficult for me. I've looked at the schedule and I just keep falling on six. It's so it's push. one I'm not going to touch. So it's a push. Yeah, because I can't figure out how it's going to be more than that. So I was listening to the Sports Freaks with Brian, with Brian Hall and Mike Morgan on News Radio 570 WWNC. You can hear them every Monday evening at six o'clock. And they were talking with uh, David Glenn. And I did hear Mike Morgan say, should be at least eight wins for the NC State Wolfpack this year. I think he says that at the beginning of every NC State college football season. Yeah, here's where I have a problem with that. Uh, you got Carolina at Wake, which is not going to be a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Florida State, Louisville, Miami at Boston College, which is not going to be a cakewalk, and Clemson. That is seven easily losable games. Boston College? I thought they were bad. They're... they're I like Jeff Halfie, their their coach, mm-hmm. and you still got Phil Jerkovich. So, yeah, I mean, if you remember from last year, I rode that Jerkovich train a lot of times. You did, you very well did to a good amount of money. <clears throat> <laughs> I owe Mister Jerkovich for a lovely vacation that I took, thanks to him. Nice. Uh, there are a, there are a lot of teams, obviously, that have you know their overs their their over underline is darn near perfect. And Alabama's at eleven and a half. Yeah, you don't get a lot of leeway with Alabama. No, um, you. I, I'm just looking down the list here. There are there are a couple of uh, Florida's at nine. That's one that, that that's one that makes me feel some kind of way. Ohio State is at eleven. Oklahoma's at eleven. Yeah, see, I'm not I'm not touching any of this on the high side because you get caught one time and I'm in trouble. Yep. There's one that I can't get away from, and I've stared at it so many times that I've almost convinced myself to do it. Okay. It's Kansas. Kansas? Kansas. Like the Jayhawks? Yes. This is football, not basketball, yep. right? Bingo. What What is their line? Uh. uh one? A win. That's it? They need one win to push, and they start the year against South Dakota. Done. I need them to catch <laughs> one team. That is all I need. And I get Lance Leipold instead of Les Miles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they got to play Coastal Carolina again this year, yeah, so we know they're going to lose that. Yeah, one. that's not going to be their win. I don't know what their win will be, but I I believe in Rock Talk Dayhawk for two wins. Two wins. <laughs> Is that the lowest line that's in all of college football? Yeah, it's got UMass been. and a few others. Uh, Akron, they're at one and a half. Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Other than that, pretty much everybody's two and a half or higher. Wow! Oh, there's old ULM one and a half. Louisiana, yeah, they're they're one and a half as well. <laughs> That's actually what is going to be the uh, marker for the college football season. It always is for me. The bottom ten, Ryan McGee's uh, bottom oh, ten on ESPN. Great article. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look forward to it every year, and there's a whole lot of that. Kansas, ULM, <laughs> they belong right down there in there with. Anyhow, I I know there's a large contingency of of Tennessee fans in this area. Yeah. They're at six. That seems doable. Well, they play Bowling Green, Tennessee, Chattanooga, 
South Carolina, who now has a, a coach on their depth chart. I don't know if you saw that or not. I did. Grad assistant. Zeb Bolden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was at Iowa State. He was he was the backup to Trey Lance at North Dakota State. He had been hired as a grad assistant or brought in as a grad assistant at South Carolina. Well, with the injury to Luke Doty, they were a little thin at quarterback. So they went, hey, he plays quarterback. You want to be on the team? You still got a year of eligibility. You want to play? <laughs> All right, so you you're 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 at three. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Well, they play Vanderbilt. They play Kentucky. They play South Alabama. Uh, I'm a, I'm up to five. Yeah, it's finding that sixth and seventh win that gets a little difficult because I don't know where it comes in. You have to beat Florida or nope. Ole Miss, who's going to score a billion points. Mm-hmm. Georgia. No, I just don't see it. I think Tennessee's going to push at six. I think they end up going six and six. Unfortunately, I think you may be right. Um, Tennessee's going to be Tennessee's one of those teams that I think we've said it before. Just they're they're going to get caught. They're going to get caught in this, you know, massive super conference that is the SEC. And seven eight wins might be their high water mark for the future. Just saying, if you want to hit the uh, the you know the Jeremy Green loves them trifecta, East Carolina's at four and a half. Uh, the fight in Mike Houston's. Mm-hmm. Florida State's at five and a half, and West Virginia, they're at uh, they're at six and a half. If you want to hit that going over on all three, just hit the trifecta, ride the lightning with me. <laughs> pays it like plus eight hundred. I'm just throwing that out there. Right. dollars on a hundred dollar bet. All right, all right. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida. And there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. I did not know this, but apparently um, this past weekend we missed free comic book day. And there's a library up in Long Island that was giving away free comic books on free comic book day. How could it go wrong? Well, the Farmingdale Public Library, they hit a little bit of a snafu when all of the comics that they got to give away for free comic book day from Diamond Comic Distributors apparently had some, let's just say, troubling material included in the shipment that they got from the distributor. Uh, Parents started to complain after they found their children reading comic books that had some graphic material in them. Now, this is not graphic novels. This is not like you're on the edge Batman. No, mm-hmm. no, this is pornographic material. There you go. <laughs> pornographic materials. Apparently, it was a, a, a comic by the name of Tales of a Grown-Up Nothing that had a teenage girl riding a skateboard on the front of it. No hints as to what was inside, but there was a lot of inappropriate things for children to see inside that comic book. And, you know, one of the parents who apparently talked to the TV station said he was a little upset about it. Parent, you know, my kids should not be seeing that kind of thing. But all in all, they apologized, so we can move on. Um, They said... the leaders of the library say that they think they handled it masterfully that once they found out they were quick to toss out all of the pornographic material that was in that was you know still lurking around in the free grab bags um but 
now the distributor has been contacted and they say yeah maybe we're going to maybe we're going to start looking at those shipments a little uh, closer when we start sending them out for free comic book day to public libraries yeah i think that's a good idea my story comes from belfast maine okay there is a harbor in belfast maine mhm care to take a guess what it's called belfast harbor in the middle of the week, this very strange circumstance showed up right in the middle of it. And no one can explain why. There is a giant inflatable rubber duck that has been placed in the middle of Belfast Harbor. No one knows why. No one knows where it came from. <laughs> there are cameras that caught absolutely nothing. But there is a giant rubber duck that has joy written on it. Okay. That is tethered right in the middle of Belfast Harbor. And no one will take credit for this. It's 25 feet tall. Oh. It's a gi- literally, it's a giant inflatable rubber ducky. You said giant, and I thought six nope. feet, seven it's feet? It's 25 feet. Wow. So somehow somebody had to get... Here's the problem. It's right in the middle of the boat path, but it's not impeding the boat path. Mm-hmm. So the thought is that somebody had to have this thing not inflated on their boat... They took the anchor, they dropped it down, they tied all the things off, and then they inflated it in the middle of the harbor. The only problem is that would take about an hour, and the harbor's guarded. So how in the world did somebody do this and nobody see it? Somebody go out for a heater break, and they just came back and went, oh, wait, where'd that duck come from? Well, there have been calls for them to come down because they're apparently very, for it to come down because apparently it's very annoying Mm -hmm. to boaters. But the town commission does not agree with them. They say they're in no hurry to take it down. It's a whimsical little thing out in the middle of their harbor. And they plan on leaving the duck out there for the time being. Which is very strange to me that somebody would just drop a duck right in the middle of your harbor and you just go, that's fine. No, ain't no big deal. I mean, what's it really harming? And it sends a great message as well. Mm, does it? Joy. What's, what's wrong about joy? You know, just say it could be a Trojan horse what? using a bird. <laughs> Birds are scary. So you say you think there are like baby inflatable ducks inside of it that there's are baby real ducks in attack? there? Who knows? Could be a whole flock of birds in there. Who knows? Could be a whole squadron of drones just waiting to Could snipe be. us all. Could be. Just hoping a week from now I'm not reporting that a flock of birds came out of that big duck <laughs> and started attacking people in Belfast Harbor. <laughs> I feel like if the birds are going to finally begin their uh, revolution, it's probably not going to start in Belfast Harbor, Maine. Where better? Because, of course, that's what you think. Because you are you just refuse to see the truth. Hashtag birds aren't real. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What? Sorry. I, I didn't... Got... I... Sorry, I got distracted by. The- of course, you uh, by a, a bird. Did you get distracted by a bird? No, no. It was uh, an article on uh, ESPN that was talking about the uh, the ten crossover athletes, wrestlers, and football. Of course, it's something pro wrestling related. <laughs> and there's just one name on here that I did I I don't I, I don't remember this guy ever having in a role in wrestling. Pac Man Jones. Yeah, he was on TNA. See, That's one of the that. few things that I knew. I never knew that. It was hilarious, too, because he couldn't be touched because he was still under contract with the Titans. It was when he going, was going through all those things with... <laughs> okay. I, I, I love the way that Tom Segura explained it. Yeah. Uh, 
he showed up at a strip club and then a bunch of people got shot. Mm-hmm. And then that happened two more times. <laughs> Not saying he did it. No. There's still a lot of ah that. Just, he's but just a magnet for trouble. Just, you know, things happened. He, and he happened to be there. He tends to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's all that is. Yeah. No, I was just He also couldn't be touched because he had a uh, a no touching uh, no physical activity clause in his Titans contract. Right. And it would have voided Mm-hmm. And so he was in professional wrestling matches, but he couldn't be touched. But nobody could touch him. Nope. How's that work? And it was very widely known that he couldn't be touched. See, th- these are the things that I know because the only reason that I know anything about professional wrestling is either to make fun of it or from when I was six. Yeah. That actually fell into almost both. Who's the Who's the number one on this list? That's Brock Lesnar. No. Oh, no, Ron Simmons. No. Okay, then I don't know. It's Bill Goldberg. Oh, stop. Bill Goldberg is no doubt the number one. Should be Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons is on the list. He should be. It's uh, Bill Goldberg one, Roman Reigns two, Wahoo McDaniels three, who had a little cup of coffee with your Jets back in the 60s. Yeah, so did LeVar Ball. That doesn't mean a whole lot. (laughs) A lot of people have had cups of coffee with the Jets. Lex Luger, who I did not know played in the the USFL. USFL. Ron Simmons, who also played in the USFL. Ernie Ladd, Mongo McMichael, obviously did the football thing uh, after a lucrative career with the Chicago Bears. Brian Pillman, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals at one point. Then some dude named Moose, Monty Brown, and Pac-Man Jones. It's the Pac-Man thing that threw me. I had no clue that he was involved in that. Now, now I want to now I want to go back and watch videos of it to see what that looked like. A guy being included in wrestling matches that can't be touched. Tell him I appreciate him. That's all, that's all. <laughs> You've been waiting to throw that in there, haven't you? Since so you said Pac Man Jones' name, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Just tell him I appreciate it. You had a you had another player that retired from training camp, Alex Lewis. Yeah, yeah. line uh, guard with a head injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he left the he left the team on August fifth. That's always a bad sign when they just leave the team and w- when coaches are asked, they go, ah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe he'll be back. They said it wasn't because of the head injury that he retired, but that he was dealing with some other things that were you know bigger he's had than some, football. Yeah, right he's now. had some. There's been something going on with him. We just didn't know what it was. Right. He's been in and out of camp and. Yeah, I hope he gets whatever it is. I hope he gets it settled. Oh yeah, I mean, I would think that uh, head injury is enough to me. Head injury is enough. Like Luke Keekley when he decided to retire, that didn't shock me as much as it did everybody else. Because I, I think I had actually said that several times on this show. Of don't be surprised if Luke Keekley just calls this thing quits because he's had five concussions in the last three years. What about a foot injury. That enough for you to that enough for you to call it good, or is it just need to know where we're headed here? Uh, oh, you're talking about my cuboid syndrome? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, now you know the name of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was- <laughs> Don't make fun. We've got a support group. I'm starting it, and if there isn't one, cuboid syndrome affects many, many people. Upwards uh, of seven people uh, a year are say. afflicted with. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's. It's hard. Look, it's it's very common in athletes and dancers. And you're I'm neither. a hell of a dancer. And you're I'm neither of saying. us. Yeah. There are you a don't lot know. of You don't adjectives. know what I do when I leave this studio. I, you know what I know what it's not? 
Either of those two things. Anything dance-related oh. or anything athletic. Oh, I'm all the way in. Uh, now, you might do that little club dance thing where you just kind of bob your head along <laughs> with, the, with the double fist. Just Yeah. That's the closest thing to dancing you're ever doing, and I don't think that no, affects I, your feet. See, I throw in an extra leg kick, and, and that's what it's from, just repetitive leg kicks. I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think you do. I do the running man quite a lot. And I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. Running man, Roger Rabbit. That's I mean, those are high risk maneuvers that you cannot do any longer once you turn thirty nine years old. Mm-hmm. Athletes and dancers, eh? <laughs> Just would really like to know which category you fall into when you got to tell your doctor this. <laughs> I, I I am a tremendous athlete on the gridiron of fantasy football. Uh, yep. It's an old soccer injury from my movie days. Oh, good gracious. <laughs> he heard it on the set of Heavyweight. It's been, that bone has been loose in my foot ever since they put me in, in, in harm's way throwing soccer balls at me. Yeah. Uh, you had the same role in that movie that an orange road cone would have had. <laughs> Stand there and let us kick soccer balls at you. <laughs> And preferably don't say words that we have to edit out. Right. I only did that twice. <laughs> I didn't even know that until just now. Yeah. Um, well, look, I've always said I want. I would love to get the footage that was cut out of that. Because literally, I mean, it was two hours of me standing in that soccer goal and the uh, the assistant directors just pelting me with soccer balls. And the one they used was the one that they threw way up in the corner, and I didn't even move. When I saw the movie, I was sorely disappointed because I was getting hit in the face. I was getting knocked backwards. What's funny? It was a lot. They actually settled on that take the first time they did it. And then they went, hey, we can sit here and throw soccer balls at this kid for the next two hours. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, speaking of injuries and football. Uh, did you see Brett Favre has now taken a lead role in a PSA urging parents not to let their kids play football until they're 14 years old? I'm not, I'm not, I didn't bring this up to make fun of it. I brought it up just to let everybody know because I struggled with this as well. When I was thinking about putting my kids into youth league football, I was, among, you know, of the mind of, I don't think I want them to play youth league football. I don't think I want them to put their, you know, still developing brains in harm's way. That if everybody, Jeremy's over there trying to think of how many jokes he can make right now. I'm at 11. I'm already at 11. <laughs> I'm not going to say them, but I've already, I've, I've, yeah, I've already. No, but I mean, but I mean, this is serious. And this is something that, that you know we ha- i've had discussions with other parents about whether or not you should put your kid into in, into youth football um there were studies that were done where uh at Boston University they did an analysis of 65 high school football players who never played college or professionally 16 of them have CTE 15 of the 16 players began playing football before they were 14 years old. This has been something that I think has, um, you know, ever since 
ever since the concussion movie and the book, The League of Denial, came out, we have all been focused on getting more and more educated about the dangers of football and and CTE and the risks and everything. You got to do your own research. This is what I tell every parent that I've ever had this discussion with. Do your own research and make your own decision what's best for your kid. Um, at 10 years old, do you feel like it's worth the risk of putting your kid into youth football? Would you, do you have any problems with putting kids in youth football? I don't have any sons, so I I never have that problem. I I, I never had to make the decision. But I'm saying if you did, would that be a thing that concerned you or would that even come into your mind? I I mean, I'm sure it would come into my mind, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have sons, so I don't have that. I I never had to. Deal with that. Right. So for me, I, I mean, I could say anything here, but mm-hmm. it would come from an uneducated place. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. It was never a, a thing that I had to do. Right. So for me, it's I, I saw what Brett Favre said, mm-hmm. and of course, it became a thing on Twitter, and there was, you know, Twitter's. It's an awful Twitter place. Twitter is tedious. Twitter, Twitter and tedious have the same number of letters, and I don't think that's an accident. <laughs> yeah, it's not a place to be. But uh, you know what? I, I will I will give it to Brett Favre for lending his voice to this cause. I think it is, it is a noble cause, and while we may make decisions that disagree with it, we can all agree to do our own research and make our own decisions on what's best for our children. Um I have since changed my mind of thinking, you know what, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I put my 10-year-olds in football for the first time this year. But I can understand. Uh, if you want to go down that flag football route with your kids, absolutely make that decision. It may end up being the best thing for them. It's just some kids aren't built for flag football. I don't know what role my kids would be able to play in a flag football game. They have to have pads. They have to be hitting on a line. <laughs> You're in the sports take with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. Time for something to chew on with Caleb. Anderson. Hits it in the end right. Back at the wall, and the White Sox win it. Now that is how you put a nice little bow on your most watched regular season game in 15 years. Let's be honest, we came into the Field of Dreams game expecting a complete gimmick, which is exactly what it was when, wouldn't you know it, a baseball game broke out. A good one, too. One that's guaranteed to produce a ton of sit-down interviews and mini-docs over the next generation. One that's already serving as a blueprint for next year's matchup between the Cubs and Reds at the same corny location. One that calls to mind the historic quality of Roy Halladay's 2013 no-hitter in his first playoff appearance, but on the totally opposite end of the spectrum. This game wasn't at all about defensive prowess. It was about raw lumber among the cornstalks, unadulterated run production that turned into eight home runs and Major League Baseball's highest regular season TV rating since 2004. The Chai Sox 9-8 walk-off win over the New York Yankees drew nearly 5.9 million viewers to the national broadcast on Fox. To put that into perspective, that's better than all but one regular season NBA broadcast last year, but about 1.5 million less than the Cowboys-Steelers Hall of Fame game, the very first game of the NFL preseason. Both of these games were played on a Thursday night, and shout out to InsideHook.com for those numbers. I actually was not one of those 5.9 million. 
I was on the road making my way back home from an engagement two states away. So my experience with the Field of Dreams game happened via ESPN radio. More so than the actual action itself, this is what stood out to me. On that particular broadcast, it seemed as if the crew spent as much time talking, reminiscing, and telling stories than covering the action on the field. There were conversations about getting started in the game of baseball, long talks about time spent in the backyard with dad, and how important family had always been in the hunt for success. As these conversations were happening on the air, I couldn't help but think that in living rooms, bedrooms, and garages all across the nation, well, people were talking there, too. And that was the whole point of this little exercise by MLB. See, everybody's got a gimmick now. From the NBA and their playoff play-in tournament to the all-powerful NFL and its constantly changing rulebook and newly elongated season, all American sports leagues have resorted to spicing up their product in order to stave off stagnancy. Major League Baseball has tried almost everything in the book to try and shift the balance of power back toward the offense with more fundamental rule changes certain to come in 2022. But there's a marked difference between what these rules changes are accomplishing versus what the Field of Dreams game was able to take care of in a single night. One set of gimmicks removes part of the history of the game. The other adds to it. One side is a rejection of the past in order to move into the future. The other side is a partial abandonment, if only for one night, of the modern state of the league and a nod to how far we've come over the past 100 years of baseball. One side is alien to the game in its current form. The other side is endearing to the average fan in a way I haven't seen from Major League Baseball in quite some time. Which is why, after hemming and hawing for a couple of days, Rob Manfred went ahead and set the schedule for next year's Field of Dreams game in Dyersville, Iowa, between the Cubs and Reds. How could he not? For one night out of the year, it's a chance to truly relax and enjoy a baseball game. It's a break from the ever-growing city skylines and over-the-top water features slash swimming pools beyond the centerfield fence. It's early enough in the season in early August to not have an enormous impact on the playoff push. It's an opportunity for all baseball fans, whatever jersey you're wearing, to celebrate one of the quintessential films about your sport. If you build it, he will come. I mean, come on, it's iconic. And most of all, this game is a way to bring baseball to the average fan. Dyersville, Iowa is roughly four hours away from Milwaukee. It's over five hours away from St. Louis. Omaha, Nebraska is a destination trip for the people of Dyersville. So live Major League Baseball in Dyersville is a true spectacle for these red-blooded Americans. Unlike someone in the Bronx who walks past the new Yankee Stadium every morning on the way to the bagel shop. And at some point, when the magic fades and the Field of Dreams game becomes another rich piece of baseball lore, where to then? Is it now out of the realm of possibility to see a Sandlot-themed game in the low-rent neighborhoods of Southern California? What about an official game in the oil fields of Texas, where Dennis Quaid got his start in the rookie? How about an MLB game inside Bristol Motor Speedway, the last great coliseum? They've done college football there. I know, I worked it, and it was incredible. Why not baseball? And now, just like we've cleansed the palate with a shot of top-shelf vodka, we head into the hunt for October with a fresh taste in our mouths. The trade deadline came and went with plenty of fanfare. The Field of Dreams game left us with our mouths agape. And on the league leaderboards, the true contenders are beginning to rise to the top. In the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty good time to be a baseball fan. Unless you're an Orioles fan, in which case it sucks. I'm Caleb Peak. That's something to chew on. 
It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. And uh, on behalf of Jeremy Green and myself, I think we do need to, uh, you know, say that we're thinking about everybody out there in the uh, in the Canton community, Lester, uh, all over the place that dealt with the flooding issues from yesterday. Uh, hoping everybody has a, uh, you know, just a, as good of a recovery as possible from all of that. And we will be back. We will rebuild, especially in the case of uh, the Pisgah High School football field that took quite a beating uh, with the rain yesterday. All of Canton seemed to be pretty much underwater. Uh, they have canceled the Pisgah game on Friday night against Crest to open up the 2021 high school football season. We will have Tuscola coverage right here on ESPN Asheville, though, this Friday night. Tuscola opening up the season against Madison on the road. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you back here tomorrow at 3 tomorrow morning in the Sportsocracy at 10 a.m. Check us out on YouTube. Don't hit, don't forget to hit that like, share, and follow button. And, of course, hit subscribe and share it out with all your friends.